Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to add up on the Edup Experience podcast, where we make education your business. Day two of recording here at eLive, Elucian Live, beautiful New Orleans, Louisiana, with 5,000 of our finest friends here in higher education and higher education industry uh, partners. Wow, what an event so far. What did you say, my co-founder of the Edup Experience podcast, Elvin Freitas? Elucian is awesome. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That'll end this episode of the Edup Experience <laughs> No, we wouldn't do that to our guest. We're going to bring her in right now because I think she's got a lot to say about the work that her and her teams are doing. Here she is, ladies and gentlemen. She is Robin Henselman. She's VP of Strategic Market Sales at Inverse. What's going on, Robin? Hey, thanks for having me. Are you happy to be here? We're happy to have you here. We are so happy to be here. That's this awesome. This has been a great show so far. Tell me about your conference experience so far. Let's actually, let's make that the second question. Okay. See, I told you I would mess up before you. And it already happened. So do you feel more comfortable now? I do. Keep, like, keep going. Okay, keep good. going. Can you tell us about Inverse? Um, first of all, what is it for those uh, sure. people that are listening that don't know the company? What do you do? How do you do it? We'll start there. Yep. So Inverse does a lot of um, automation around spend. So any dollar that gets you know, spent by an institution, we can automate that and make it easier for universities to track it deal with it, report on it. So an ex example would be expense reporting. So everyone that came here to this conference, mm. they have to go back and turn in receipts to get reimbursed for meals and things that they did while they were here. So we, the money! Oh my, OMG, yeah, it's it's a lot, you know? And so anyway, what we, our, our solution would let them take pictures of receipts as they go and turn their expenses in. So on just as they're making purchases yep. and then yep. all of a sudden they come back and it's taken care of. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. That's one of the things that, that our platform does, but okay. that's the one that's most relatable to folks listening. Give so. me the less relatable stuff because we do have the, a technical audience sometimes mm, or right. may, maybe not. I don't know how technical our audience is. They probably, oh, who knows? Anyway, tell yeah. us what else you do. Sure. Yeah. So some of the rest of the platform will automate vendor invoices that are coming in all over campus. That's a big one for, yep. our, I would say that's a big one for our audience for sure. Yeah. And having to digitize those invoices and then automate the approval routing process, match them with purchase orders. And then we can't forget the integration back to their ERP, right? Banner or colleague, that's the commonly used ones here. And so we can we can help them through that whole process. You know how most people feel about vendor management. Ah! Yeah, uh, I mean it is. It, they're hard to wrangle. It's it's hard to wrangle, and especially if you have multiple. I mean, you have multiple departments, sometimes siloed. You've got invoices coming Absolutely. in all over the place from different vendors. Most people don't know how those invoices are coming or when they're going to have to be paid. It all falls on a finance department to try to figure that out. And if they're doing it manually, usually in an Excel spreadsheet, if they are, are not technologically advanced, that is a nightmare for somebody. You sound like you've done this before. Well, I work in higher education at an institution. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. I've been there. Yes. I work yes. At, at my, in my own department. I work at Lindenwood University, which is in St. Charles, Missouri, and I oversee strategic enrollment management and ah. Lindenwood Global, which is our online offering. So I have invoices flying at me all day long. It is a huge, like, how much are we spending? Like, does anybody exactly. know what the budget is and how much we're, where we're tracking the budget? Or we just, I just keep signing things. Don't tell my boss, you guys, stop it right now. Why did you do this to me, Robin? All no, right, it's ahead. okay. We can help you with that at some point. Amazing. How's your conference going so far? Tell me what oh. your experience has been like. I love this conference and I love New Orleans. So the two together are one of 
like I, I would have to say my favorite conference experiences. What's so great about this one is that we have most of the um, enrollment for the conference has been up almost to before COVID levels. Yeah, it's like 5,000 people. It's yeah, like, this is amazing. It's great. And so it's just so wonderful to see that again. Okay, so tell yeah. me about your role as the VP of Strategic Market Sales. I know, it sounds fancy. It, well, it sounds very fancy. In fact, I think I'm going to retitle myself. You can, you can. Yeah. I kind of created that title anyway. Yes. Um, it's amazing. I, I don't think it actually exists in our org chart, but Elvin, I made it you're up. you're now VP of Strategic Market Sales of the Edip <laughs> Experience Podcast, and right? Yeah, I mean, congratulations. Elvin and I just got promoted. So tell what do you Excellent. do? Excellent. So <clears throat> what my role is, I'm a vice president of sales, but we, our team really focuses on certain industries where we have specific expertise mm -hmm. and a specific product focus. And one of those are one of our biggest ones is um, higher education. Ah. So that is considered a strategic market for Imburse. Okay. Yes. And so you're here. Um, do you guys, are you two, two of many representatives here from Inverse? And we are, yes. So Aaron and I, and then we have um, another 12 of our closest colleagues that are How here How large with us. is the organization? Where do you guys locate it? Do you have offices across the U.S.? I mean, tell me a little bit about the structure of Inverse so we get to know you guys. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So um, we are, we're about 800 employees um, and a lot of the the name Inverse, it might be a bit new to mm. some of the folks here. So and we it's were E-M-B-U-R-S-E. E-M-B-U-R-S-E. Right? Yeah. Everyone here will probably know us better as Chrome River. Mm. So Chrome River was acquired uh gosh, going on four years ago now. And then we were merged into a larger organization that has complementary solutions to what kind of making up the platform I described to you earlier. Right. Um, and so we are global. Um, we handle every industry, but as I mentioned, the strategic markets team focuses on higher education, healthcare, and a few other core vertical markets. It's all part of the plan. It is. World domination. <laughs> um, so you guys have a, do you have a, are you in the exhibit hall? We are. All right. So yeah. how do we, um, well, let's, let's ask it like this. What makes this conference successful for you and your team when you guys walk away from here at the end of the day tomorrow or midday tomorrow? How do you judge success at a conference like this with a setup, with a exhibit hall location, 5,000 people, but what, what is the metric of success for you all? So for me, I'm going to say relationships mm. because you can't get those over Zoom. It's hard. It, you, can, you can develop better relationships when you're here. So we've had so many great conversations person to person where you can look people in the eye. That's why I really am excited about these in-person events, being back with almost full capacity here. Um, so yeah, being able to walk out and Aaron, I don't know if you'd say anything different. Aaron decided she wasn't going to be on the microphone. She's, she's not talking, but yeah. um, I know Aaron feels this way too. It's just being able to have those good conversations with people that are kind of spontaneous around the booth. And um, also with our partner, Elusian, and other partners that we have here, um, just being able to meet and get together and figure things out. So it's, yeah, that the relationships are always deepened Do at these kinds a, of events. It's a better experience now that you've been on the Edip Experience podcast. This has been really kind of a highlight for me. 100%. Yes. Um, I was going to ask that at the end, but since, you know, we're already here in the middle. Yeah. Um, Talk to me about engagement. So I'm yeah. here. I'm a university 
a member of whatever XYZ university, I come across you, I'm going, what does Inverse do? You tell me, how do I get started? Right, because you've described big, hairy problems mm -hmm. for universities, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, expense yeah. management, mm -hmm. reimbursement. I can't tell you anybody who does the processing of reimbursement that just goes, wow, I really love inversing my employees through this manual process. Right, it's yes. usually like, Oh, oh god it's a nightmare you know when yeah, I, nobody wants to do like, it oh i gotta put in a reimbursement it's going to take 27 years for me to get my check back you know if you get it yeah right and then that's going to be wrong so what's the engagement point what's the entry point for university how how do they get started most commonly as you talk to them yeah it they can get started a few different ways some will choose the expense reimbursement expense mm. reporting or card program management we can manage all the p cards and all of that too ah. um, so some might start there and others they they start with their vendor invoice issues and then some will do all of it together so it's really up to them and what they have going on in the university and what their priorities are around that is, is, is it a step-in process where there's one and then the other two come with it or do, do universities go i need all of these at the same time they could do either Fantastic. So, yes. Yes. It's really, we can customize the entry points to what they need. So, so strategic market is higher education for you mm -hmm. all. Talk about yes. growth. Talk about expansion. How are you seeing your business thrive within higher ed? Right. So we, um, we, we only have a fraction of, of the higher ed institutions out there. I mean, it sounds like a lot. We have 275 institutions of higher education that are our customers, but there's thousands, yeah. um, you know, out there. And so uh, we just feel that it's a very high, you know, it's an area of high growth um, potential for us. Um, and we just have to continue to be present in this market and to show the value and continue to make clients happy and make sure that they're referenceable and that, you know, they want to go talk about their good experience. So, so 275 clients, I would mm -hmm. imagine you have a myriad of t different types of institutions, right? right? We sure do. So yeah. community colleges or private, right. nonprofit, public, so on. All of I, them. And, and yeah. I'm interested to know because as a, as a, um, public institution and you're reliant on right. funding, mm -hmm. making these decisions is harder and the sales cycle might be longer because you're waiting for new funding to come in versus a private institution who might have a little bit more green to throw around, if you will. Do you have a specific segment that you think you can help sooner than others because of different sales cycle issues? And that's not yeah. an inverse thing. That's a higher ed thing. Our it sales is. Cycle, you know, it is. Again, you sound like you've done all you've done my job before. Nailed it. No. <laughs> he sure did. Folks. No, I, no, I just um, I, I'm on the other side of it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a strategic enrollment yep. VP and I'm dealing with all of these things all day long. And right. I just go, how how do I get help the fastest? And right. I've worked at for profit schools. I've worked at nonprofit schools, not a public, but public. The big complaint among public institutions is money. Yep. Those those state funding sources, some of the federal funding sources. So, um, you know, there's really really no one type of institution that we fit better with because our, our system's fully configurable. So depending on, you know, if you're a two-year, you know, community college system versus a four-year institution with D1 athletics, hmm. you know, we're going to be setting things up a bit differently for right. that. So it, it just, and then if there's, you know, um, complications around funding, we, you know, we get that. And so during our sales cycles, if somebody you know, is trying to move forward, but they have a funding source dry up. Um, you know, we wait, <laughs> we wait, we wait it out. But really what we can help um, the institution do is get a return on investment. I know those are 
ROI is an overused term, but it is true because a lot of schools, no matter what type of school, they're being asked to do more with less Yes. right now, especially in the finance and IT spaces. You know, um, they're not getting to rehire when people leave or retire. And so a system like ours can really help with automation and help them survive with less people. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is right. So higher ed, the cutbacks are real. Yes, right. And so sure you, are. especially in IT and other infrastructures, you hear you hear this. You know how much I sacrifice? Right. When you have employees that can't rehire, it's it's very frustrating. So technology yeah. can provide a gap. What is this? What is the implementation cycle look like um, a little bit? And I know you're you're in sales yeah. and then somebody asked me a question like that. I'm like, oh, God, I can't believe they asked me that because I have no idea. But, <laughs> it, you know, talk about if, if from from soup to nuts, you know, how long have you seen it take from I'm interested and in, I'm mm -hmm. nice to meet you at the booth, Robin, to, you know, oh, my God, I'm we're using this great product. Right. Right. So what we try to do is back into when, you know, when do they have a when do they have a desire to be live with a project like this, mm -hmm. you know, and because they may they may still have to, like, get the project approved and all of that. But can we start there and then back up? Right. Mm -hmm. And then so depending on the size of the school and the scope, we've seen projects go as quick as four months, three to four months to three to four years. Ooh. <laughs> so now that latter one, it doesn't happen often. Usually that's, Holy crap. I know, right. Yeah. You don't, um, that is not, we, we prefer to do six to 12 months depend even for larger institutions. But what happens sometimes you're in higher education. So, you know, this, you may have a leadership change. Yes. Somebody new comes in, they want to revamp, they want to stop all projects. What the heck is going on? Exactly. What's happening? What did we just buy? What is this project? Yeah. What is this imburse project thing? Yeah, Let, that's gotta stop. be frustrating. I want to I want to relook at that. Should we even be doing it? So that's when sometimes it would go longer. So we try to work with the university or the college in the sales cycle and make sure that yes, this is an approved project before we get into an agreement together and start planning it out. So. That's, that is so relevant what you said, because there are, and higher ed leaders are leaving more often than they ever have before. Right. So you, you can get stuck in these cycles and then you're right. I mean, the first thing I would do if I came on board in a new institution is say, stop everything. I need to analyze. I need to figure out what's going in, what money's coming in, what money's going out. I need to get my head around it, but that would right. put, you know, but, but every minute I wait is another minute what I'm, I'm losing money essentially. That's right. Um, yeah. What about change management? Because oh, when you take away so, yes. something from somebody, no matter what it is, there's the saying, if you give something, it's easier to give something than it is to take it away. And that's true. Except when you're, you're changing somebody's job, who's used to doing a lot of things that they're comfortable with and you take that away and hand them technology that they immediately think it's going to put them out of a job. They hold on really tight to everything. Oh, we had, we, we, that wasn't see a that. sound effect. That was actually my voice, you know, it, because it happens. It was, there we go. Um, yeah. So change management is one of the biggest obstacles we see. Yikes. Mm -hmm. It's not even, it's not a competitor. It's change management. The mm. fear of actually the thought of actually, how are we going to get this rolled out to everyone? <gasps> Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we've actually created a uh, change management program mm. that can go along with our implementations. What is that? What Tell me about that. So what that um, consists of is our team. You opened the can. <laughs> now I got to know. Yeah. I'm like, it's brand new. Yeah. Um, it is new. But it's, tell it me is, about the thought process that yeah, goes into it. The thought process is 
what I just mentioned is, okay, where are they starting from? So where is the institution starting from? Where are they trying to get to and by when? And so what we've what we'll um, do is kind of come in and assess that and see what kinds of materials, because every implementation tends to be different, mm. every single one. And in, I know we often hear this, that the institution will tell us, well, we're different than everyone else, but we want to talk to four different references exactly like us. So, so we kind of bridge that <laughs> gap. It's like, okay, yeah, you know, you can, we can tell you what we've done for the four others that are like you but we know you're gonna need something different. So it's really kind of a customized program to say, you know, when you go through implementation, we'll configure the system for you. And then they start to roll it out and they get it into the hands of more and more users who come up with more and more things that they didn't think of in the implementation process with the 12 people that tested mm -hmm. it. And so that's where we can help them make the changes to their configuration as they go. Um, we also work with some other, uh, there's consulting firms out there like here on consulting, yeah. there's some other that are here that do change management as well. And so um, a lot of times they may already be working with the mm -hmm. institution. So we'll find that out and we'll say, look, we can put something together with your consulting partner you might already have in place. So it's kind of their preference, but we do have a little package that can get them started on the change management for a very cost-effective fee. I love that you just called out the entirety of higher education because it is so true. And I'm going to double down because I have said the exact same thing at one point in my career where I go, we are different. What we're doing here is different. But put me on the phone with somebody that does the exact same thing that we do. And, and then now that you're saying that, yeah. I went, wow, I've said that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. And I can guarantee you somebody said it today somewhere in the higher education. And it's the truth, right? You want to believe that you're completely unique. Right. But that in higher education, there isn't too many things that are completely unique. How you do the process, you know, the workflows, all of those things. But in the end, you're reimbursing money. You're taking in money and you're sending it out. Everything that happens in the middle is your own complications. And we do like to overcomplicate in higher education. We really do, right? Yeah, that, that is true. And because a lot of these systems that you might be looking at, we're, we're one of the, they're, ve they're very configurable. Yes. So if you say, I have 12 different rules that need to happen when this employee submits this one expense item, we say, do you really need all 12? You know, so just because you can doesn't mean you should. And when you're, when you're trying to simplify. Oh, I love it. Well, we like to ask two questions of our guests to, to end every episode, and we're coming up on time. Number one, what did we not say about Inverse that you want to say? Anything. Where you're going next, speaking opportunities, the next conference, the new product you're launching. Literally, you can say whatever you want, website, open mic, and we'll, yeah. we'll give you the last one after that. Okay. I, I would say we've, we've just brought in um, some new leadership around um, our customer success um, motion. Level up. Yeah. And we are putting some in, um, increased focus on the voice of the customer. And to me, that's very important. And, you know, probably the higher ed community would like to hear that too. Uh, a lot of technology companies, um, you know, their leadership are in there and they're, they're, they're making plans and creating solutions and services, but have they really listened to what the customers need? Mm. What do you want? And we kind of, we have a kind of a new, I guess, set of, set of folks in that, in the upper level that are very interested in hearing from the customer and making sure we're on the right path with what we're doing. So that's kind of, that I'm very excited about that. Epic. <laughs> Tell me what you see is the future for higher education. 
So I feel like the future, that's a big question. So well, I'm gonna I answer- ask only big questions Okay. Here. The future of higher education, that's huge. That yes. can be, that oh, can- oh, oh, yeah. So beyond You're just- here to hear first, ladies and gentlemen, Robin Hanselman yeah. is going to tell us. Oh, my. I well, ask everybody that. So there's no right or wrong answer. Just what do you see? I mean, you guys are seeing this from a different lens than right. the inside. Yeah. Um, so beyond just what we do, I think that there's always going to be, and just ever since we've been working in it, this has been a bit of a theme. There's always continued concern around enrollment, funding sources, um, how can they continue to deliver value to students, mm. um, more and more value, um, to make sure that they're going to attract students. So it's kind of a, a, a cyclical process there. So, um, so I feel like that is never going to go away. And as we just were mentioning, I do feel that universities are always going to, you know, constantly looking to do things more efficiently where they can do more with less Mm -hmm. so that they can continue to deliver a good experience to the students, but be efficient in how they're doing it and keeping their costs down as well, because then they can put more money into the student programs. Mm. I would say that this has been an incredible episode of the Out of Experience. I learned something new. I learned about Embrace. I didn't know what you guys did, and now I do. And I can tell you, I have we have pain points that can be solved in higher education that you guys are going to bring to the table. Really appreciate your time. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here. Robin Hanselman, she's VP of Strategy, Market Sales at Inverse. How did you enjoy your time here on the podcast, Robin? It was a blast. Thank you so much, Joe. You made it super fun. Without, you've just ed up. Woo!